The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. A number of years ago, the Polish government held an event in which they celebrated the 85th anniversary of the Polish Air Force. They invited many countries, Israel among them, to send contingents of jets from their own air forces to participate in the festivities. As a precondition to their participation, however, the Israeli Air Force insisted that their contingent's itinerary must include a flyover by their F-15s over the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camps. Now, upon hearing this, the curators of the Auschwitz Museum objected. They said, no, the museum is a quiet place. We're not going to allow these loud, noisy military aircraft going over a very quiet place. It's inappropriate. It's disrespectful. It's a disturbance of the peace and quiet of this solemn place. The Israelis hung tough in their position, and the Poles relented. And on that incredible day, a contingent of Israeli F-15 jets, listen to this, each of them piloted by the children or grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, took off towards that sacred and sorrowful resting place of their parents and grandparents. In the cockpits, these crew members carried with them the names of all those recorded murdered in Auschwitz some six decades earlier. The jets, proudly displaying the blue mug and David, flew towards the concentration camps as slowly as possible, following the railroad tracks leading into the camp and crematoriums. And then just as they got right over where the gas chambers were, they peeled away with a loud roar and mighty screech. It wasn't a very quiet tribute to the millions who perished, nor was it meant to be. In the words of Israeli ambassador to Poland at that time, Shevach Weiss, who responded to the indignation and condemnation of those who were seeking to preserve the silence of Auschwitz, he said this, this quiet had to be disturbed. And it had to be disturbed by the screech of an Israeli F-15 jet. I am sure that as they flew over the graves and ashes of their parents and grandparents, they cried bitter tears. But amidst the tears, they laughed a roaring laugh. The Ami Yisrael Chai, we survived. In 1960, in a daring operation, the Israeli Mossad captured Adolf Eichmann, Yemach Shemoy, the architect of the Nazis' final solution, and they secretly transport him to Israel. And he stood trial in 1961 for his crimes, and he was executed in May of 1962. I believe we just marked his anniversary this week of his execution. The months of the trial were very traumatic for the Holocaust survivors in Israel and around the world that were forced to relieve their memories as this animal spent thousands of hours recounting the details of his inhumanity. Throughout the ordeal, there was a man who was charged with the task of guarding Eichmann and who ultimately carried out his execution. The identity of this Mossad agent was kept classified until his retirement in June of 2004. After his retirement, his name was released. Turns out he's a Yemenite Jew. He's a Yemenite observant Jew. Upon learning of his identity, the main TV station in Germany asked him for an interview. and They wanted to interview him about those years that he was guarding Eichmann. After much reluctance, the man agreed to be interviewed, but also on a condition. 
he insisted that the interview be conducted at 7 a.m. and at the Western Wall. So the German producers tried to explain that when we do an interview, it's in a studio. We can control sound, we can control noise, we can control lighting. You're doing it outdoors and especially at a busy place, people coming, going, moving. It'll be a terrible distraction. The interview won't be won't go over well. But the man said, do you want the interview or not? If you want it, 7 a.m. at the hotel, that's where we're going to do it. And they, they gave in. Camera crew comes. They set up as best as they can, as best as they can control light and sound. And the man tells of the details of all those months with Eichmann under his charge, how layers of guard guarded others. So there were guards that were guarding other guards. Why? Because everyone was afraid that someone was going to try to kill him. And they wanted the trial to be complete. So they did not want him executed by an individual. And so there was this whole security mechanism controlling that an Israeli soldier, an Israeli police officer, or a survivor of the Holocaust, don't get to Eichmann before they kill him. He said it was so crazy that I needed to taste all food that was prepared for Eichmann. I needed to taste it first, because they were afraid the chef was going to try to poison him. Anyway, he told in great detail what it was like. At the end of this fascinating interview, the Germans asked the Yemeni Jew one last question. They said, there'll be millions of people in Germany watching this historic interview. Why did you insist on being interviewed here at the Western Wall? Why not in the proper studio? And the man replied, just one generation ago, Germany tried to extinguish our nation. I wanted them all to see with their own eyes, from the heartbeat of the Jewish world, from Jerusalem, that we are alive and well, and that we will live on forever. Am Yisrael Chai, he says. Let me take you back to one of my study group trips. This trip had 45 of us. We're taking a walk, a walking tour of the old city on a Shabbos afternoon. Shabbos afternoon in the old city, many people are out walking. Elderly are sitting on the benches talking. For those of you familiar with the Ir Ha'atika, with the old city, you may remember there's a place called on the... Chabad Street is actually a street in the old city called Chabad Street. This particular corner is near the Cardo, where you can look down some 50 feet from current street level, and you see what the archaeologists have uncovered, a wide open area, and you see the actual original street of Jerusalem before it was covered by many layers of earth and stone during the various stages of destruction and invasion and rebuilding. And they unearthed these huge columns that once stood on that street, and you can look down and you see it all by the Cardo. All week long, if you ever go there Sunday through Friday, the gates leading to the stairway that will take you down to that actual street level are locked. But on Shabbat, as I'm taking my group on this walking tour of the old city, the gate is open. And you look down and there are kids. They're playing ball on ancient ground of Jerusalem. That's where all the youth groups come and they meet and they go down the steps. They open the gate for them and they play ball over there. I'm taken in this scene and suddenly I feel overwhelmed by this sight. Not because it's, it's nice to see Jews in Jerusalem on a bench on a Shabbos afternoon. Of course it's nice. Not because it's precious to see children playing ball together. Of course that's nice. I was overwhelmed because I reminded myself of a verse in the book of Zechariah, chapter 8, a prophecy recorded thousands of years ago. So says the Lord, I will return to Zion and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Old men and women shall yet sit in the streets of Jerusalem, and the streets of the city shall be filled with boys and girls playing in the streets. This was said thousands of years ago. There will yet be a day that Jerusalem will be back in Jewish hands, 
that old men and women will sit in the streets of Jerusalem and their children will play on the streets of Jerusalem. I'm looking down at those ancient streets of Jerusalem and there are Jewish children playing on a Shabbat afternoon in a free Israel, in an Israel that's not oppressed, in an Israel that's strong, in an Israel that's proud. Children were laughing and singing and playing on the streets of Jerusalem. If that's not a fulfillment of prophecy, what is prophecy? We see it with our open eyes. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.